Hey guys, it's George. We are so excited to bring you the new season of We Don't Talk About Brexit and very excited to let you know that we're now on YouTube. So for the usual We Don't Talk About Brexit content and also with our pretty little faces, head over to YouTube, search We Don't Talk About Brexit and we should be right there. One little heads up, there is a bit of a sound anomaly partway through this episode in Michael's story, which is the fourth one. It's not that bad, but I thought I'd let you know it stops about ten minutes later. Anyway, enjoy the show! Welcome back to a new season of We Don't Talk About Brexit, or as it's known this time, We Don't Talk About COVID. And we're on video now. This is the weekly video slash podcast where we four people, sometimes six of us that slide in and out of the show, talk about news stories that are as far away as possible from the worst things that are happening in the world at the moment to keep you happy and sane. And we're going to start this week by telling a story with Natasha Kondostrova, who on my screen is actually directly above me. I don't know if she is on yours, George. She's on, on my oh, Hey! Above. <laughs> we, oh my god, this is, uh, this is better than Zoom, where you don't know where anybody is. <laughs> you, know you're, anyway. you know you're on the top, second on the right, and Zoom. Well, yep. now I know. Need to know that. See? This is a new, this is Someone, a news podcast. We find things out, you know? We have Someone was just listening to that, and they were like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> The, thing, the things you find out from these lockdown podcasts, eh? Anyway, uh, back to my story. Oh, I said I said the L word, which has something to do with the C word, but but there won't be any of that in this story. Um, <laughs> uh, this story is called Lamborghini. That's right, Lamborghini. <laughs> yes, yes, it's puns from the go here, um, and. Uh, this story is about a, a brave young man, um, to be exact, a five-year-old uh, boy, who was stopped uh, in a car by a police officer in uh, Utah. Utah? Utah. Utah. Uh, Utah. Yes. Three times. Otherwise you get it arrested. Was... Utah. 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 Um, yes. And the interesting thing isn't that he was just in this car, it's the fact that he was driving this car to California on his own. Can, um, he, reach the, can he reach the pedals? Apparently, because he was driving, quote, quite well. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, the police were behind him and they saw the car sort of swerving a little bit. So they were like, okay, uh, alarm, police alarm bells at that point. Um, they called sirens. So, they, so yeah, so, the, <laughs> so they actually put the sirens on. And, brilliant, yes, Michael? Oh, I was, I was going to say, oh, we're doing hands, by the way, we don't interrupt each other. Um, I was going to say, so, you know he's like swerving to and fro. I have a feeling yeah. that's because kids think that to drive in a straight line, you average out the steering of the wheel of a car. Because when I don't know if you watched Noddy when you were little, but Noddy drives like that. He's a fucking madman in this. this I was gonna say, challenge. where exactly does that come from? Because you do think that they do that, but like, but why? Because that's the opposite of true. I think it's from like old films where they had the, the where they were going projected on the back, so they weren't going anywhere. Mm. And it feels weird to just like the, the actor doesn't know actually where the car's going to be going, so they just sort of like mm. guess it out. 
So mum actually does drive like that. <laughs> oh dear. Is she a five year old in a Lambo? Pass the test. Like she's she can drive, but she does just slightly do this. She's driving, so you get a bit seasick in the car. You're like, oh god. My mum and lots of my aunts and stuff passed the test back when it was the easiest thing to pass in the world and I don't think they'd all pass the current driving test <gasps> I'm having today, I'm not gonna lie. Well, a five year old did. <laughs> but this five year old can. I no I, I mean there's there's no information about where he learned to to drive. But but basically the thing that me as well as uh, multiple YouTube commenters find hilarious is that once the police put the siren on, <laughs> the kid pulled over. <laughs> um, <Aww>. Yeah. <laughs> He's at least well behaved. Exactly, like he can drive. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the police pulls over, the kid pulls over. And uh, the, the police have a dash cam camera. Uh, so, so this is all on film. This is all something you can watch um, on YouTube. And they come in, and you see the police officer opening the door, and just goes like, "Wow!" <laughs> and then, and then um, I forgot exactly what it is that he says. <laughs> he says something like, "Oh," and the boy goes five, <laughs> and the police officer goes, "You're five? Whoa!" <laughs> um, it's a it was going to be like, the, the kid was like, he like, winds the window down, he's got his arm like, up on the thing, he's like, was I going too fast? <laughs> what seems to be the problem, officer? It's my license, and it's like drawing crayon. <laughs> With like, googly eyes on it. <laughs> well, it is him. Can't argue that. Well, keep driving. Um, which is not what I think happened. Um, however, they, they did look into why he was driving, and um, the article says, the boy, who was not identified as he is a minor, said he had left home in his parents' vehicle after arguing with his mother, who had told him she would not buy him a Lamborghini. Um, so this boy, yes, made his way on his own to California to buy a Lamborghini, with three dollars in his pocket. Yes, I've told you my story that my aunt, when she was a kid, um, her, her mum wouldn't, I'm going to sound posher than I am here, her mum wouldn't buy her a horse, so um, she travelled to a different county and with her dad's checkbook and bought a horse and brought it back to the house and so their parents got back and there was just a horse in the house. I think you said, I think you handled the story, and I think the her dad was like, "What a scam!" And yeah, she was like, "Well done, you." <laughs> oh, that's how so I feel about this boy because it's a bit like, well, you know what? He kind of deserves a Lamborghini. Like he's driving safer than some people, and you know, he's like, he's made all this effort. He's shown initiative. Yeah, like, some people just have some money. I think we should train five-year-olds to be like uh, what the guys that drive limousines for people. Chauffeurs. Yeah, let's train like an army of five-year-olds. <laughs> Just drive it. Because to be honest, I feel like five-year-olds have gotten past the terrible twos. They've gotten past that unkind bit. Usually five-year-olds, I think, are quite kind. 
I think they'd be quite good on the roads. Forget Google's AI car initiative. I, Michael Cook. Basically what Michael's trying to say is five years old, you're an adult, come on, contribute to the economy, yes? Okay. Five year old man. <laughs> Imagine how much pocket money you get from Uber with that. Oh my god, yeah, they'd love it. Uber would be like, this actually worked out perfectly for us. We're paying my pittance and they're <laughs> Yeah, well, child labour. Uh, I don't see any problems with that at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, they've got that in Victorian times about about other things. Like, ah, you're a small child, you can fit in a chimney really well. Go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah actually, you can probably fit in Lambos better than adults. They're very small. Very good point. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, to finish off, um, I'd just like to read a couple of the comments on the YouTube video. Um, oh, and the, yeah. Uh, one of the comments is uh, he took more concrete steps to pursue his dreams than I have. Which, uh, okay. Uh, Lambo should give this kid a car. He drove better than my Lyft driver today. Um, exactly. Yeah, and then it's, yes. Um, and then it's just basically people saying that they can't believe he pulled over. Um, like, <laughs> knew that, that was that was a thing to do. Imagine um, he got a fine and it was like a candy fine. You gotta pay. <laughs> In my mind, if children had currency, it would be it would be lollipops. I feel like the kid just puts fa- a fab into the police officer's hands. Like you didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, that happened. Uh, just which is uh, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy get... for this young man. I would invest in his future. Did he get his Lambo? I don't think so. I mean, Did... you know, he had the money. Three dollars. I mean, I don't I understand. That's the bit I don't understand. Did he just drive out of the shop? Did they? The Lamborghinis cost substantially less than I thought they did. No, 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 no. He was driving in his parents' car. Which was a Lambo. Uh, to get a Lambo. To get he, a Lambo. He, you have to drive a Lambo to buy a Lambo. That's so, why he was driving, you know, which I is see. the classic, once there's some pressure on you and some energy to, you know, get a goal, you can do anything, including drive if you're a five-year-old. Yeah. Goodness is a five-year-old. That's the moral of this story. Well, that's Ash. Thank you. Thank you for that story. That was amazing. Thank you. Right. So my story this week uh, is called "This Little Piggy Went to Tonga." It's um, it, it's really not a very good description of what the story is. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, so everyone has heard the story, well, or read the story of uh, Lord of the Flies. So a load of English kids crash land on the desert island. They proceed to. Uh, attack, maim, kill each other, and sort of generally go into disarray. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good um, times. Good times. Good times had by all. Well, there's a Dutch historian called Rutger Bregman, some of you might know him, um, who likes to discover things about humanity's ability to be good. And he's written a book recently about peop- uh, about how humans are innately sort of social animals. We are actually designed to sort of cooperate and get on with each other. And he wanted to find an example of Lord of the Flies that went the other way, that 
showed not that people are just going to tear each other apart, but that people can actually cooperate. And um, he looked online, he found a blog, which put him onto exactly this kind of thing. Um, and he was looking for it for years, and it turned out the blog had a typo. This is a lot of extraneous detail, I realize this. Uh, a typo of the year. And then when he realized that there was a typo, he found out this whole wealth of information about this amazing incident that happened in Tonga uh, in 1966, where a group of lads, uh, Tongans, um, were found off the coast of an island. They were found by a guy called Peter Warner, who uh, was taking a boat out one day and he saw a desert island that's like really rocky and like people believed it was completely uninhabitable. Um, but there was loads of fire, there was sort of like scorch marks on the side of the island. Um, and he in this part of the world, it's quite tropical, it's very wet and very humid. Uh, you don't usually get those kind of forest fires that look like that. So he got quite suspicious and sort of put his boat to go closer. And he, was, he thought there might be people on the island. And those, that suspicion um, was increased when he saw people on the island. Um, <laughs> and uh, jumping out off the island and swimming at his boat. Um, there could be people on that island. There could be Why? people jumping off that island and, and swimming to Because there are people on that <laughs> island. They're like, they're like climbing onto his boat and he's like, ah, I'm still not <laughs> <laughs> My suspicions may be true. Um, so they, they start trying to get onto his boat and he's a bit like, ah, what's going on? And they speak to him basically in perfectly perfect English. Uh, Peter Warner is an Australian man. And they spoke to him and said... Um, We've been on this island for 15 months. Can you help us? And these, this story of six Tongans who had 15 months prior to this, uh, they apparently were tired of their food at their lunch times at school. And they took, they were teenage boys. And they went to go fishing. So they borrowed someone's fishing boat uh, to go out to sea and catch themselves some tasty fish. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and they got caught in a storm and uh, spent eight days just in this boat, drinking uh, from water they caught in a coconut. And they're, because obviously you can't drink seawater, and they rationed it out by having one sip each every morning and one sip each every evening. Uh, so really not very good conditions to be living in until they eventually no, saw this island. Really good on their behalf to, to be able to take that ration, because I, I feel like the problem with this situation is that just one person who doesn't agree to it can throw it. So it's really good that they all... Yeah, exactly. And so this is what Bregman was so interested by because it showed all their cooperation. And uh, one of them eventually swam to this island to, to scout it out. And they, they uh, ascended onto this, this island and lived there for 15 months. And people thought it was going to be uninhabitable. Uh, when they eventually went back after Peter saved them, uh, people went back to discover what, what happened. Uh, they found the boys had had a fire that they'd kept alight for 15 months uh, constantly. They had chicken right. coops. They had like a fruit and vegetable farm. They had houses. There was one, even one instance where one of them um, broke their leg, uh, falling down the hip, down a hill. And the doctors who looked at him afterwards were amazed that he was completely patched up perfectly because they they sort of ran down the hill after him and said, uh, "Don't worry about work. We'll do your your share of the work for you. You can watch over us like the king of Tonga." Uh, and so. It's just this this really lovely story uh, that I'm skipping over loads of detail because there's quite a few articles about it online. Mm. And they were eventually arrested by this man, Peter Warner. And who wants to guess what happened when they got back? Because the island, all, all of their um, villages, 900 of them, um, 
came back to, to greet them, uh, to welcome back these people who they thought were dead. There had been funerals held for them. Um, uh, do you know what? I didn't, like, it's so weird. I didn't even think of that side of it. Yeah. Like, I was thinking like, oh, brilliant that they survived on this island, but I didn't even think about how, obviously, <coughs> when people disappear, there's the other side of it, of like, yeah. people reacting to that. I don't know why I didn't think about that. And, yeah. and so they came back and, you know, it'd been like they'd come back from the dead. Um, yeah, so yeah. guess what that what the welcoming party included? I reckon there was one guy at the party who was like, I wonder what it would have been like if it went the other way. And he wrote Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> William Golding's like, hmm. <laughs> William Golding's like, why am I in Tonga? <laughs> in 1966. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, um, uh, I'm imagining it. Oh. Yeah, no, no, go, go Dash. I don't know if this is a silly suggestion, but I'm imagining Has anybody seen The Road to El Dorado? Oh, a long yes. time ago. An amazing cartoon. I really recommend rewatching it as an adult. There's a, there are so many forums on various things in it. Uh, but basically, uh, obviously, the thing there is that people think that they're gods because they're different um, and because they found this land which nobody else has found um, and yeah I'm imagining it a bit like that that there were people who thought they did die and then came back because it's too crazy to believe that they survived on this island for 15 months because they'd all read William Golding they, they were like <laughs> they were apart they were like some With, whichever the fat we'll one was him. he's gone <laughs> we'll show him we're going to make the good one yeah uh, well, when they arrived, uh, they were arrested because the person whose boat that they stole 15 months ago still held the grudge and, uh, <laughs> and pressed charges immediately upon hearing that they were alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what an absolute War- crank. <laughs> so Peter Warner, the guy who saved them, who um, had the... He, he, like, immediately... I don't know exactly what the process is with film rights but he had the rights to this being a film and he sold off the Australian rights to um, ABC I think it was and used that money to bail the kids out and pay the person whose boat that they stole off for for the lost boat and I thought, um, I thought you were going to tell me that he broke them out and then they sailed oh, away no. and then they <laughs> with William Golding <laughs> as leader <laughs> he's like I will show the world that the only way it goes is the way it goes in my book <laughs> <laughs> maybe he does that maybe he just scouts out islands and just is like Piggy says you're a twat <laughs> go on do something about it I don't know why he sounds like this <laughs> He's a cockney geezer, isn't he? <laughs> Famously, he's like eating, eating eel pie as he like, <laughs> gr- like growls at them from, from his boat. Um, so yeah. the story ends with basically Peter Warner gives all of these guys um, jobs in his on his boat and in his lobster selling company, and they were friends forever. Ah, that's amazing! Beautiful. Um, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's obviously that didn't happen this week it's not 1966 um, but it has been in the news quite a lot and there's apparently now a big film rights acquisition uh, scramble for people to get rights to that film um, 
because people want to make the story of it. Which would be cool. This but remember, you saw it here first, as seen on We Don't Talk About Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I've just realised? As, as, like, just as a brief aside, we can, like, look at each other. Michael, like, on oh. my screen, looking at no one. You're looking just <laughs> like, you, you look, look, no that, so that's you waving to George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waving the wrong way? Really? <laughs> <laughs> And this is tech. Amazing. Wow, the <laughs> magic of technology. Like, wow, like, George is telling this amazing story and that's just playing on my mind the whole time. <laughs> oh my god. Michael spent the entire really time funny. like the, the sketch about the university challenge, he's like he's convinced people are above him. He's like <laughs> I don't know that sketch. It's very good. The university challenge people like climb into each other's screens and like they're like, oh, oh come again. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, after that brief oh. interlude, uh, who have we got third? Uh, it's my turn next. To tell my story. Yay. Here we oh. go. Well, I've called my story Red Red Road. Red uh, Red Road. Red Red Road. Red Road. Your your red accent red. makes that very good. Excellent. It's so much better than just, just saying it. Absolutely. I love that. Well, I mean, I could be like, Red, Red, Rude. Red, Red, Rude. Be... No, it's so, so much worse. Very good. Yeah, so much I worse. mean, it's not the best title anyway, so let's not dwell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, my story takes us to California. Uh, um, a man Ooh. saw the opportunity for a lifetime and really just had to act on it. He he could not control himself. Something happened in front of him, and he was like, "Now is my time," and he just just went with it. And I personally think he's a very brave person. I don't think everyone else agrees. About to find out, Michael. Tasha's uh, Katie's story. Man does a thing. Yep, that's my story. No, 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 no. Anyway, Michael. <laughs> so what did um, you do? Okay, so. Gabrielle, sorry, not Gabrielle, Gabriel Moreno was driving up Highway 99 in his sedan. He spotted something beautiful ahead. It was a big red Cherokee Freightlines tanker truck. Ooh. George, what do you think was inside this tanker truck? What liquid? Inside this tanker, tanker truck? Yeah. So, I mean, I... I'd... Could be anything. Cali California, I'm going to go for Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, that's very, very close. So it actually was transporting some red wine, Ooh. Um, and there were at, there were like thousands of gallons in this massive trunk, this massive truck. Um, and Gabriel clearly saw this as something not to be missed. They put on his hazard, <laughs> hazard lights um, and asked the trunk to pull up at the side of the road. Uh, and so the driver, thinking there might be something wrong with his mechanics, was like, "Oh, I best pull up. There's something wrong." And he's a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I said I couldn't have a glass of wine for dinner, so I went and stole this truck. That's exactly. <laughs> Enjoy this wine for a Lamborghini. I need a few extra bucks because I've got three. Um, obviously, all these accents are horrifically English. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm American. Hello. <laughs> I really just like the idea because those trucks are actually quite like hefty to control. Like, I think you've got to have like quite a lot of physical strength to sort of like. <laughs> 
don't know, I feel like you've got to be pretty, like, tough. And just this five-year-old, like, stacked with his, like, trucker arm, like, one arm really tanned. Like, <laughs> um, sadly, um, it wasn't five-year-old. It doesn't mean it wasn't amazing. <laughs> um, so, camera footage that was recorded on the truck, dash cam, well, I don't think it was dash cam because it was going the other way, but something, um, shows Gabriel get out of his car and he's just in his underwear. Nowhere else in the article does it touch on. But <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that could just be. Like I guess why not? Well, yeah. I mean, the guy had somewhere to go, somewhere to be. He didn't want to miss his chance. You know what I mean? We um, what he does is he runs out of his car, goes to the passenger side of the truck, out of view of the camera. The truck driver didn't notice anything had happened, so he just pulled back onto the road, thinking, "Okay, I, I, my, my mechanics look okay. I don't need to need to stop. I can carry on." Um, where another camera has captured a guy who's climbed onto the truck um, with no shirt or shoes on, just clinging on for dear life <laughs> as the truck speeds up to like motorway speeds. Um, this guy is just like clinging. Uh, <laughs> And he proceeds to climb so to the bottom like of the on, truck. He's all like on the side of the truck. Yeah. Like he's holding on to something. And so he's just like basically out of his car and just like jumped onto the bottom of the truck out of view of the driver. Like, and like Sideshow Bob car. in the famous episode. <laughs> yeah. That's it, yeah. So, um, so like, I mean, this is pretty dangerous, as you can imagine. Like... I don't know how fast those kind of trucks go on the motorway, but I can imagine it's it's quite a high speed. Um, then driver's driving along, and eventually he notices that little uh, gauge on his thing in front of his dashboard saying that he's losing liquid. And it's like, what? Like, so the the tank is emptying, and he's he's losing gallons and gallons of liquid. <laughs> what do you think might have happened, Tash? Well, as I just suggested with my movement. <laughs> I think everything was so stressful for the man clinging on that he proceeded to drink gallons and gallons of wine. Are you not far off? But but what? how? Has he got like a has he got like a screw uh, a screwdriver? I <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of those Just, like, like spray. Cans that you like <laughs> what is Just it? Spray called? into his mouth. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I wish it happened like that, but that's actually kind of like. Kind of easy how he's managed to do this. He's climbed on the bottom and he's unscrewed the valve that holds in all of the wine, which in my head should be tied pretty tight. Like you probably need like a machine to open Ooh, that. Yeah. But you, and you definitely, need, you definitely need two hands to do that. Yeah. What's he holding on with his teeth? <laughs> did the driver noticed that he was losing liquid? He obviously pulled over again and he goes to inspect and he finds Gabriel just attached to the bottom of the truck. Um, uh, the police officer that got involved described him as looking like he was doing snow angels. So that kind of position, like just a t- like, such like this. Um, and he'd unscrewed the valve that holding the wine in and wine was just gushing out and Moreno was just with his mouth wide open trying to catch as much as he could. Like, oh God. Wait. <laughs> But why? Why would you? I mean, even if you really like wine, like what do I really like? Let's see. Um, I I quite like meringue. 
okay? I can't imagine a meringue truck going by and me just, like, letting go of my car, sprinting, <laughs> and, and cramming meringue into my mouth or something like that. You know, it's just... No matter how much I like something, I don't think I'd ever do that. The, the problem that... I mean, he was in a bit of a precarious situation. Surely the aim wasn't at that point to drink wine, but to in some way get the driver's attention so that he doesn't die at some point um, flying off the truck. Well, that's, that's what I considered was maybe happening. Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Like, let's be honest. I mean, why was he oh. naked? Why was he, Why did he attach himself to the truck in the first place? I mean, maybe, we're never going to get these answers. Maybe he had the, the foresight. He was like, I'm going to be drenched in wine in a minute, so I better take my clothes off so they don't become sodden. And try That's to- what I'm thinking. I think that maybe he tried to climb into the tank, like he just wanted to be in, <laughs> just in the wine and didn't realise that... He's the glass. A big bath just of red wine, like he's in some like, hedonistic cult, just like, oh, <laughs> living the dream. Um, anyway, so after all this went down, um, Moreno, Gabriel Moreno got arrested um, and camera footage was all reviewed, not before he'd gulped down of it, and also <laughs> lost a thousand gallons of red wine all over the motorway, which is the equivalent of about 5,000 bottles. Um, so it's not great, it's not the best idea he's ever come up with, but... Um, it's all caught on uh, different cameras, so you can watch the whole clip if you want to go find out on um, YouTube. Um, and I couldn't find online a statement from the guy who did this. So, I mean, we can only speculate on why. <laughs> we, sure we can try and say what we think his closing statement would be. Yeah. He's consumed a huge amount of red wine in, like, minutes. So... Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I think his closing statement would be oh, well, nobody sees the situation. Is it, there's a Guinness World Record in it. I've considered so much. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait. I think he was like, did you know the six boys lived on an island? <laughs> <laughs> I swear I saw a small child driving. <laughs> Everyone's like, shut up, you're drunk. Have you ever listened to We Don't Talk About Brexit? I'm hoping <laughs> to get on it and do some glory on this. Well, I like to think of him as just a very brave gentleman who saw an opportunity and just thought, well, you know what? We'll live once. Just going to give it a go. And he probably didn't expect it to work, and it did <laughs> too well. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, could, I think we could only be impressed. I think we're all impressed. That's an amazing. Yeah, we are all case impressed. Here. Let's clap the story and the man. Yes, definitely. And Katie. And me too, thanks guys. Yeah. I think next <laughs> we're, we're handing over to Michael for his final story. Oh, you can do that like that spinny thing. <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I think it reflects, doesn't we it? We could actually all do it and point at Michael. Should we try? Oh no, because that means we do, it, like, that, puts, that puts a lot of pressure on my story. Yeah, I know. Let's do it. One, two, three. Okay. Uh, hey, George, it's just George that wasn't pointing the right way. I think, I, was, um, I, I think you'll find my computer's the one that's recording, so I'm the only person who knows that they're pointing the right way. 
my god. <laughs> this whole okay. time. Okay, right, let me read. Let me. There we go, get ready. So, uh, my story is called Do You Want to Talk About Streaming? And there's a reason why the word do you is, is in the title. Um, do you, TikTok, and Twitch are all. Uh, there are three very different streaming platforms, all built for varying purposes, different different types of streaming that people get different things out of. You know, um, They've all got very active creator audience engagement, and all of them um, have been involved, to some varying degree, in some controversy. Um, so I, I've actually tried to be a bit poetic here, but I don't know if it works, so let's just see. Like a clock signaling the beginning of a new day, we'll start with a TikTok. <laughs> oh, so actually, it, it sounds like a dong though, doesn't it? Actually, no one's like, oh, there goes the tick. It's it's there goes the the bell would chime. Um, so and now, have we have we just to make a very brief discussion here? Has anyone used TikTok here? I haven't, but no, no, I downloaded it. Very familiar. You're familiar with it? Yeah, I watch a lot of TikToks, but I've not I've not been on it. I've done a TikTok. Is it like Vine? It's a little bit. Similar in some ways, yeah. I think that there's a maximum of 60 seconds recording for a video. There's loads of like video effects you can apply to it, and you can reply directly to someone else's video. So you can end up with like stream after stream after stream that are all stacked next to each other, um, and they're all like in response to one another. Um, now, it's, it's owned by the ByteDance Corporation, this, uh, this uh, TikTok is. Um, and it's risen to popularity with hundreds of thousands of users. Like, I don't think, you know, if, if, I think when we saw the original TikTok adverts land, I don't know about you guys, but I had a feeling that it was going to be big because of just the sheer ubiquity of how much their advertisement was being pushed out. Um, so ByteDance is a uh, corporation in China. Um, and behind the scenes of all the sketches and the dancing, and sometimes a little bit of cringe, and actually, unfortunately, sometimes a little bit of bullying, there's, a, there's quite an upsetting, um, upsetting side to this service. So a couple of years back, it might have been last year, actually, users who were deemed to be unattractive or poor were being um, deliberately like diminished on the platform. So there was a document that I, I think it might have been Vice magazine or someone else who uncovered by, I don't even know how they did it, but they basically got a document that has this grid that says, like, if these attributes appear to be present in the video, they never go on trending. And they include things like mm. have an obvious beer belly, fangs, lack of teeth, a shabby-looking house, cracks in the wall. And I think that it's, it's kind of like... It, it's very upsetting behavior, obviously. You, you don't think... I don't think that... Um, any platform should be engaging in this because it obviously quells diversity. But they, they were only happy for diversity to be used where it was what they deemed to be beautiful people or people that fit the mold. So, you know, um, but if this is the case for a company like, like TikTok, TikTok, and, and I, I think, think that, that there, there, there is, is an argument to be made that a lot of streaming platforms do push this. this. They, they obviously, obviously like, you know, yeah. even, even when, when companies, companies like Dove, Dove for example, engage in being diverse, they still only show people who are, you, you'll end up with like a wide range of ages and body types and so on and so forth, but they still deliberately pick people who are classically photogenic, you know, within the range of the diversity that they're showing. If this is the case, one of the final things that TikTok was pushing was that they didn't want senior people to be um, on the platform. And I think 
if this culture exists where streaming platforms push, you have to be a certain way to succeed, then it's no wonder that this story happened. So, here's the actual part of the story. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I thought this story was going to be A lady <laughs> called Chao Bailo, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, with all this pressure to present in a certain way to be useful. Um, even on these different platforms, I think you can say this pressure is probably ubiquitous. Uh, is it any wonder that people do all they can to present themselves as young and beautiful and use filters and so on and so forth? Even more when money is on the line. So this vlogger, Chao Bailo, had 100,000 followers on a platform called Do You, which is moving back to the title there. Um, and she earned regularly from gifts from her hundreds of thousands of followers. To the point where she was earning, for example, £4,000 per stream at the height of her popularity. Which we, we can see as well, if you look at like, Twitch as a platform, you can see people get loads of donations as well, they make it very popular. Um, so the, these followers are reported to have worshipped her for being a cute goddess and donating, um, like I said, there's four thousand pounds. Or if we go back a couple of episodes, so never that we don't talk about Brexit, um, forty thousand Joannes. If you remember that, <laughs> I barely remember a Joanne. <laughs> it is. I, it's, it's the, I don't actually know the name. Thousand Joannes to a pound. So the secret to this story, though, the kicker is that she was using filters and apps. I think a lot of people do on security platforms, but she was using them to an, like, quite a significant degree. So she maps like a, a young avatar for her face, something which is only discovered when a technical glitch occurred and it revealed that actually she was an older woman. Significantly older than the 26-year-old she was presenting as. She was 57. And we can... I think that I, I totally thought that, like... You know, this is this is a this isn't a political group. She can grift all she wants on this phone because I think it's quite stupid to, to just donate to someone on the basis of you know yeah. you like them beautiful. Like if they have something interesting to say, go, go wild. You can donate to those people. But I don't like. What are your thoughts on whether she's right or wrong to have done this? Because people, the, the people who donated and her followers were furious. But she was she took it pretty funny. Like the pictures of her being real, she's like laughing at it. <laughs> I think, um... Oh. <laughs> Go, Tash. Okay, I'll be quick. I promise I'll be quick. Um, but basically, I think, I think actually all of our stories have something in common this week, and it's about people doing actually quite skillful, impressive things. Mm. Um, like, and I think this is one of them. Like, I think, basically, I mean, that's just like acting, isn't it? That's like a theatre performance, what she's doing. And she's making money off of it. Like, that makes sense. She's working, basically. I mean, the the other aspect of the story, the fact that she, I mean, she's she's in a world or in a place where she knows that's the only way where she can make money in that way, in a way she wants to. So she wants yeah. to make money off of do, do you, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and she knows that the only way is to put this enormous amount of technical effort into building an avatar, and the avatar has to be 26 years old, and that she mm. literally could predict that, and that it fucking works. I'm so sorry, I'm just four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's sad, because that's a reflection of that particular society, that particular audience that chimes in. But she worked that. 
Well, like, she made that work for her, and and it is quite funny that she was then revealed. It's almost kind of like trolling her own followers. Like, she's made the money. Like, at, at that point. Yeah, I don't my thoughts. I think that she, um, I think it's her, like, like, if it was, like, a product that she'd missold, like, she'd send, like, makeup out, and actually it was just, like, a pile of dust with some red in it. I, I had read the story too. I'd read this during the week. Um, and a, a part of the story is that people were aware that she was using a filter and they were like, oh, why didn't you drop the filter? We want to see your real face. Like, but they thought she was still a 26-year-old. Um, so, so, because you could... Cause it, also, it's, very, it's a very convincing filter. Like, from some of the pictures that I saw, um, I was quite amazed. But um, there were at least some people who, were, who knew it was a thing and they were like, trying to send her money. There was like a thing where people were trying to send her money so that she would take off the filter. And she was like, oh, if I, get, I think if, so. if you donate this much, I'll take it, I'll take it down. And then people had, she still hadn't. But then the glitch happened and it revealed it. And all the people who were paying her to take the filter off were like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And then suddenly left the chat and she realised. So I think that when people started leaving. The- there might have been a side of things where there were people who were sceptical in the same way that people are like a magician and they wanted to debate that firm. But I do still think that by the sound of things, there was a significant enough following of people who were just blindly... Sure. Because I don't think you donate £4,000 to get someone to take off a filter. You might yeah. donate, I don't know, a fiver and be like, go on, I'm curious. But I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, here's 4000 That sounds like someone who's a bit neat, like, um, What's it called? Not either. Damaged. Damaged, yes. Yeah, exactly. But so, also, brilliant PR from her. She's able to create that hype. Mm-hmm. Go be an actor. I think you can go be yeah. an actor. She or, can do our PR for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get in touch. Anyone wants to donate for... Beautiful, beautiful, 26-year-olds. <laughs> I'll be like, next week, yeah. Next week, audience, tune in. And we're all just like... Amazing. Brilliant. Well done, Michael. Love that. I just right. want to say, we are perfectly on time. I don't know how we've managed this, but um, <laughs> you are very well at timekeeping. At story content as well, but obviously more importantly, at timekeeping. Absolutely. That's oh. uh, a brief refresher on how this part of the game works, because this is actually a game show, even though we forget that all the time. Um, 
at this point, we're going to do a brief recap of the stories, and then what we're going to do is we are going to vote on who we thought the best story. We each get two votes. One vote worth two points, and then one vote worth one one point. That's count. If you if you're listening to the podcast, then it should be like, like nothing wrong. What are you about? But if you watch the video, you just my fingers counting about it. Um, and then at the end, we count the vote, and the person for the best story will have the most points. I think. I think. Yeah. Hopefully. All the way around. Unless it's sort of Eurovision political voting. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Still, even in Eurovision. So much political <laughs> politics going on here. So much. So, my story was Lamborghini, about a young five year old gent who is very driven, who's, uh, who wanted to buy his own Lamborghini and thus drove his parents' car to California with $3 in his pocket. My story was This Little Piggy Goes to Tonga about not William Golding getting stuck on a desert island and everything going quite swimmingly. Until everyone got arrested. My story was called Red Red Road. It was about one brave, heroic gentleman Typically attaching himself to the bottom of a wine tanker that goes in down gallons of wine. And my story was called Do You Want to Talk About Streaming? The story of one clever elderly lady, elderly, not a middle aged lady, um, who, who uh, acted like the best of them and made a load of money out of it. Let's vote. Amazing. And the points are in. Very exciting. I guess we can't really do a drum roll on stream, can we? You can, can put them in on post. Amazing drum roll. It requires so much stress to even get a slight noise out of. (laughs) So, in in last place um, is myself. With two points. Oh, Wait, my God. Oh. Hang on, didn't we agree to not use last? We agreed to use, like, most medium or something <laughs> like medium. that. Most medium. Most medium story. <laughs> the most medium story. Um, we're, I, we're either really nice about it or really brutal. When you... Was it, right. Where someone's got a zero, usually, is, is the indicator. Well, but I, I, it's interesting. Oh, I've got a zero so often. <laughs> It's all relative in that you might have told an absolute zinger, but three people told amazing. Things. Yeah, exactly. And hence you're just getting, yeah. This point system, I didn't really think it through when I came every, out of it. Every week where I've been proud of my story, I've listened to someone else's and I've been like, oh, they've just smashed out of the part. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's kind of like a balance between getting, finding a good story and then being able to weave it into a, a narrative for the podcast and ask the right questions for people to bounce off. Exactly. We strike in joint second place with three Ooh. points each. Are George and Tash. Hey. Which means in first oh, no. place. You're just gonna leave me hanging, Tash. One, two, three. Yeah, great. Amazing. <laughs> Which means in first place with an amazing total of four points. Way well done. Is Chasey Moncaster. Hey! <laughs> Did you just dab? Yeah. 
Have you ever seen a man dab a thousand times in a second? <laughs> oh no, they're clicking I... on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Katie. Wonderful, Katie. It was a really good story. I thought yeah, it was really possible when I started out just saying, I'm talking about a man, he's a really good man, he's a great man, I love this man. I just want to let the little... The word yeah, California was the only relevant sentence word for about three minutes, and I was like, Katie, Katie's just found this now, isn't it, she? She's just looking at <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> what I think we've learned. That's a way with words. <laughs> well, yeah, our confidence is, is key here in that you, you said to us last night, you were like, I'll find the story in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a long time looking, and again, it was aliens, that, that, that shall not be named, or, like, things that were just not very nice. And I was like, I don't want to talk about the hilarious things. <laughs> that makes sense. No, I think the story gave me hope. I'm just picturing yeah. myself doing something like that at this particular point in time in the world that I shall not name. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be quite a... Yeah, there's a limited number of crazy things that you can do in this particular time. And that's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) That is still going to sell wine. (laughs) It was like, I was like, you know, the closing line that Dumbledore might say at the end of a Harry Potter movie is like, the real thing was love, Harry. But instead applied to something completely bad too. (laughs) And now I'm off to a rave. <laughs> <laughs> I can really imagine Dumbledore at a rave. All right. No? Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, and and watching. Uh, are we? Is it? Is this and watching? Yes, I assume. Um, I don't know if we're making this a week. George, are we making this a weekly thing? We'll see. All right. All right. Thanks. That's all right. All right. Um, if uh, we are, catch you next week. And if not, um... have fun. <laughs> have fun, yeah. Ah, yeah. That's all an embarrassing goodbye thing. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>